0: Wonderful singing. Wonderful to have all of you here this morning. And we hope that you'll find this morning's worship service uh, encouraging, challenging, and upbuilding in your spiritual life. We got a lot of young children here. Got several babies. Boy, they're cute. One day they're going to be middle school. I work with middle schoolers for our visitors. I'm a full-time school counselor. I'm around them a lot. They're interesting. I love working with them. They're interesting. They're they're very moldable. I like being around them. But they have this look that just gets on my nerves. It's the, (laughs) we got a lot of people in here to work with. It's this, uh, what did I do look? What did I do? They do that bottle flipping all day long that drives me nuts. And they'll say, what did I do? That's their look. They got it down. You ask some of them after services what that look looks like. They'll have it. But they're great. Love working with them. And they're they're moving into that age where they want their independence. Right? Because they're old enough now. They're teenagers. They got their new adult brains. Even though it's not very adult, it's not very childlike either anymore. So they're learning new stuff. They're thinking in new ways, and it's all very interesting. And they want their independence, but yet they still need their parents, their communities. They still need them a great, great deal. And even though they still need us, they sometimes talk back. And we all did that. It's not just you know middle schoolers here, but throughout the teen years, you might have you know uh, talked back to your parents. I did it once. That was all I needed but you might have talked back to your parents as well, and and it happens because sometimes they talk back, but in the Scriptures we read in Malachi chapter 3 that the Israelites were speaking words against the Lord. They were speaking words against the Lord. They weren't very happy with how things were going, and they let it be known regarding where they were in their lives and where they were. Uh, with God at the time. Let's turn there, please. Malachi uh, chapter 3. Well, I had it marked. I thought I did. There we are. Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Your words... Have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, What have we spoken against you? You see, there's the word. What what have we done? What did I do? What have we spoken against you? You have said, It is vain to serve God. What's the point? Why serve God? And what profit is it that we have kept His charge? We've been faithful. What's it gotten us? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. We have mourned for God. So now, we call the arrogant blessed. That's what the Israelites were doing. They had left their faith. They're no longer serving God. And they're seeing the arrogant as something that they would aspire to. Of course, the Lord would speak against. Tell you not to be arrogant. Tell you to be humble. But now, the Israelites are kind of changing their position on the matter. And they call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Those who who do wicked, the Israelites, are speaking well of them. They are praising those who are arrogant. They are praising those who are wicked. And they, they see that divine worship, that obedience to God, and repentance were just absolutely useless. That if they did those things, they were no better off, and if they refused, they were none the worse. It costs something, you see, to be obedient to God. And the Israelites needed to humble themselves to walk with Him. It costs us today to walk and be obedient to to God, but you you have to ask yourself, is it worth the cost? Indeed it is. For those of us who experience the love of God and experience the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and who know and understand the love of Jesus Christ, it is definitely worth it. But sometimes some people find themselves speaking against the Lord. There are many today who speak against the Lord in every conceivable way, yet these same people need God desperately. They need His wisdom, they need His teachings to live a life they they actually will enjoy and they need the Lord desperately, but they don't quite know it. So this morning we're going to look at a few ways that people speak against the Lord. The first one we've already looked at here in Malachi. And maybe that's you this morning. I've served God, and what has it gotten me? It's gotten you a lot. You probably just forgot about it. It's gotten you a great deal. You probably just had too hard of a heart to not see it. So don't speak against the Lord. Find His blessings. We'll talk about that this morning. Let's look first at Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14, some people speak words against God's existence. Now we know of our Heavenly Father who created the world, and who sent His Son, who sent the Holy Spirit to bring us the Word of God. We know who our Creator is, but there are many who do not, and so they speak words against His existence. Psalm chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. We in this world today... We want to be good, don't we? Well, those who say there is no God, they do corruptible things. They do those those evil things. A man was once asked if he believed in God, and the man replied, well, I've never seen him. Well, neither had he seen electricity, neither had he seen pain nor sorrow, but of course they all exist. And of course, the question is, have you ever seen your brain? You have not, but you know it's there. Because there is evidence to that fact. There is evidence of the existence of God. Romans 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Evolutionists, their problem is they must have something to start from. And they don't know what that is. We start with the Christian, the believer, starts with Genesis 1.1 where in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In this explanation, if you go to Apologetics Press, go to other reputable websites about science and about Scripture, you'll see how they work perfectly in conjunction with one another. Here's a quick lesson on that, for design implies a designer. You all have watches, many of us do, and this is the inner workings of a watch. Now, if you were to go out here and find one and picked it up and looked at it, wow, all these parts must have come together right at the same time and made this watch. The weather must have been perfect. The metal was laying over here and it made and all that. No, you look at that watch and you see that there must have been a designer. There must have been someone who said, let's create this item. Well, we also know that as we look at nature, that there is beauty and order found therein. That there are things that you look at the invisible attributes. You can see it and know that there must be a designer, that there must be a creator. I can recognize myself an artist uh, through his work. I know what it looks like whenever I see the brushstrokes strokes or, or the designs of the characters. I know what artists did that. I know that it would take a higher being to create the beautiful things that we see all around us. Well, many people still, though, speak against God and His existence. Some people also speak against God and His ability. They accuse God of writing a book that man is unable to understand. Now, if you've ever studied the, the text, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and their, where they came from, and their existence, and all the manuscripts that we have for Scripture, your faith will be strengthened on the Word of God and what it comes from. Well, Christianity is definitely a religion that can be understood. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. As you look at the infallibility of Scripture, as you look at where it came from, how it came about, how it is consistent throughout, and study that on a very deep level, you will see how marvelous the Word of God truly is. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 14. Remind them of these things, Paul tells the young preacher, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless, and leads to the ruin of believers. Sometimes people just have questions. You give them the answer, they, they still want a question. It, and they just keep going on and on and on. Paul is trying to tell Timothy, listen, listen to the Word of God. Listen to what it says. Don't wrangle about with words which are useless. But be diligent, verse 15, to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately Handling the Word of Truth. Now, there are difficult verses. There are difficult passages. And we have to look into those. And that's certainly worthy of study. But here Paul is telling Timothy, you you must accurately handle the Word of Truth. Which means when he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, there were certain things he wanted us to know. Certain things he wanted us to carry out and to understand. As we look into Scripture and study its divine origin. Verse 16, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Whenever you are looking at the Word of God and you see its wisdom and you understand where it comes from and you apply that to your life, it is life-changing. For God's wisdom can save you in this life and it can save you in the next. Many people here this morning may be dealing with a lot. God promises you comfort, and I hope that you find comfort among your Christian friends, your family, your, the Scriptures, even here. I hope that you find that comfort. But there are some people that are having a difficult time, and they can't deal with it. These are those who are without God. And That's where we're headed towards the end of this lesson. We're, gonna, we're still looking at how people speak against God. Well, What is it that they need? They need God need to stop speaking against Him and they need to start learning more about Him. But some people still question God's sincerity. If there is a God, many will say, then why are there so many religions? Shouldn't there only be one? There should be, yes indeed. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. We serve Jesus Christ and we work to teach about the New Testament church and how it should operate and how families should operate. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for His church. You see, here He possesses it. He says, this is is my church, Peter, that we are establishing, that you will preach about in Acts chapter 2. For you see, God is not behind all the religious faiths, doctrines, and bodies in the world. It's not, it's not His doing. But rather, this is man's doing, because we are pretty good at messing things up. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, please. Chapter 1. As you look throughout Scripture, you will see how divisions are spoken against. It's not something that God had in His plan. But as you look through Scripture, as you study the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know... Humans, we end up dividing ourselves, unfortunately. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you. This is what Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Please agree with what's going on. I don't want to see divisions, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's part of God's plan. is for us to be united. Do we disagree sometimes? Yeah, we do. Even among our good brethren here, we still disagree from time to time, but we are still united under Christ. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos," I have Cephas, I have Christ. So here... Paul is trying to get across to the people, don't worry about who baptized you, don't worry about who taught you, I don't want you to be divided. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us, has Christ been divided? He asked. Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So here, Paul is trying to handle what was going on with the Corinthian congregation. They were divided. They were were finding reasons to be divided. You see, they were wrangling about with those useless words. They were gossiping. They were developing their own thoughts, not heeding the word of God. And they were saying, you know, I'm of this person, I'm of that person. Paul says, no, do not divide yourself. But yet still people will look at God's people and see the division in the congregations, in the religious world overall, and say, ah, see, that's, that's, that's why God doesn't exist. Not at all. Sin exists. So we have people who are divisive. We have families who are divided. John chapter 17. To continue on with this thought, please. John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Jesus is speaking here, and he wants us to be united. Who messes it up? Man does. You know, we can't agree where to eat on Friday night sometimes. We're divided on that you start getting to the important stuff, it's going to be pretty difficult. John chapter 17 and verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, united in Christ, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Because it is Christ and his teachings his wisdom and His love that we can be united in and come together and, and not divide. A lot of people question the existence of God and they want to live the way they want to live. Much like the Israelites in Malachi 3. The people said, what's the point? What's the point of doing it? Let's boil this down a little bit and let's ask the question what Do people really want? What is it that people really want for their lives? Because people speak against God. Yet like a parent to a middle schooler, to a child, to a teenager, God wants what is best for us. Even the most faithful among us might speak against God and might might question what's going on with Him. Yet always He wants what is best for us. And unfortunately we have a hard time listening to him we speak against him when we're hurt and we neglect our service to him and then when we're at our lowest we finally look up and and, and ask what has happened what has happened to my life i thought i was going after what i really wanted let's ask this question why should the idea of god be thought incredible or strange when humanity everywhere testifies to the need man's need of God is so great that those who don't know the true God long for the ability to commune with a God that they even create for themselves and they constantly look, they constantly try to reinvent and they constantly fall because what they really want is contained in this word and they speak against God time and time again and let me take you along a path here To illustrate what I really mean. The latest James Cameron movie, Avatar the Way of Water, has made box office history. The film has grossed 2.9 billion dollars worldwide, becoming the highest grossing film of all time. If you've not seen it, the movie is basically Dances with Wolves, if you remember Kevin Costner, except it's in outer space. If you haven't seen Dance with the Wolves, I don't know what to tell you. But basically, humans have discovered a planet, and it's a fantastic planet, you know, a lot of strange things. That's part of the pool of the movie, the allure. Visually, it's quite stunning. But these nine-foot humanoids exist, flying creatures, you know, all very much based in fantasy. But at its core, the movie is about community. James Cameron has come a long way since his movies in the 80s. James Cameron taps into these central themes that we humans love. That's why we like going to the movies. It gives us a place to connect. I saw, you know, the the, the latest movie from DreamWorks, and I don't really connect with a cat that much, so I didn't enjoy that quite as much. You'll see why maybe I connected with this one a little more and why so many people are. For in the movie, it's about community. There is a fellowship that these people, the the characters, relied on. The movie is also about being dedicated to your family. The main characters form a solid family unit. There is a strong mother who is the heart of the family. Several children, while rambunctious, And normal teenagers are still respectful to their parents. And the one leading them is a strong man, a husband, a father, and their protector. This movie has grossed over $2 $2 billion. And this is what it's about. There is also a strong spiritual component in the movie. They have, the creatures, have a creator that they depend on and admire. And it's little g, because it's a false god, of course, that they worship. But I hope you see where I'm going with this. People speak against God, speak against what he teaches about community, about family, about connecting with him. Yet this is what they want. Millions have watched it. And afterwards reported feeling sad and disenchanted with their own lives. They see what the characters have and wish they had it. It sounds silly, but it also tells you what people truly want. And it's also worth mentioning that the originators of this phenomenon, when the first one came out, were young men. Young men, perhaps, without fathers, without strong mothers, without a community. And they would get online and wonder, why can't I have these things? Families who love me, community members who love me, all that God in his wisdom has taught us that we need, why can't I have it as well? Our creator wants us to have these things. He talks about community. 1 John 1-7, but if we walk in the light... As he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We commune with God, we commune with one another. My sermon title tonight is Mind Your Own Business. And I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll stay for the chat and chew. There's going to be sausage balls there, my favorite. And I hope you'll come back. Because community is important to you. We're so busy, we neglect. So busy we don't take care of one another quite often as we should. Although I think Birdwell's Chapel is a unique exception to that. God, our Heavenly Father, the very first institution of the family was started in the Garden of Eden. First time God wondered to himself, huh, man seems alone. What should I do? Gives him a helper. What people want. They want family here. They want family at home. They want people that they know and love and trust. And also, of course, God wants us to have a spiritual life. Psalm 46, he says, Cease striving and know that I am God. Stop speaking against your heavenly Father and realize that what you need at this point is a spiritual life with him, a communing with Him, because it's really what will bring you the truest and the greatest of happiness in this life. And, of course, you depend on, as well, that future life in the eternity. Even though God wants what is best for us, people still speak against Him. But may your words as a Christian bring you closer to Him so that you may live for him and have that life. Not an easy life, not not a perfect life, but a life that throughout thick and thin, you know that you can always depend on him, because ultimately, that is what we really want. We've got to take care of our spiritual lives and stop speaking against him. Is it worth it? Yes, indeed. If you're questioning like the Israelites did in the book of Malachi, and Satan's been whispering something in your ear, you need to tell him to to go somewhere else, you need to start listening to your Heavenly Father. If you want to become a Christian this morning, please come forward, or if you need prayers for forgiveness or strength, please come forward as well. Let us assist you as we stand and sing.